Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Silent Breed is people! Who are? mercy. Is this the end of Rico? This is Simon Rose, and I am joined to discuss the business of film by James Cameron Wilson. So, James, the one thing everybody's talking about, of course, is uh, the new Bond film, No Time to Die. But then we've been talking about it for it seems like over a year and a half. I think it's 17 months. Was it April April the 20th that it was going to open? And we have been talking about it, yes. And (laughs) it does open. Can we say, well, it opens on 30th of September. Which is the day we actually record this. So, um, Which is today, you, yes. You've not that yet we had a chance recording. to see it. So next week, undoubtedly, we'll, we'll cover it. I mean, word has well, it. I think we it's... should cover it in, yeah. in depth next week. <laughs> yes, we, we should certainly do that. But uh, let's look at the chart uh, so far before everything changes. And I gather everything is going to change. So last week, um, there were no new big films. And you said they're just running scared of No Time to Die. Who wants to open just before that? Because you know that the juggernaut will just sweep everything before it. So I'm assuming that's similar this week, is it? Yeah, there's nothing new opening this Mm. weekend other than No Time to Die. So there's nothing opening on Friday of any consequence. Mm. There's a wonderful three-hour documentary called Getting Away with Murders, which is opening on Friday which is written and directed by David Nicholas Wilkinson, which I will be covering ah. next week. Oh, right. Oh, well, that would be fascinating. Yes, somebody we we both know. Yeah, yes, indeed. Intriguing. Okay. I need, I need to send you a link to, uh, to the film, which he did send me, and I completely forgot, so I apologise for that. Okay. But for the time being, let's talk at, about the, the old faithfuls that we've been seeing in the chart now for some time. At number one, it is still... Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, down 34%, with a total of 18.3 million quid in the bank. I should also point out that, yet again, the weekend was down by 0.8% from the previous weekend. It could have been a lot worse. But, of course, all that is about (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, I've seen I've seen stuff from cinema saying that the advance booking for Bond is is absolutely enormous and would be even in more normal times. Yes. Yes. I've heard that indeed. Mm. Um, at number two, we do have a new film called The, the Many Saints of Newark, which only ah, took yes. 945,000 oh. pounds. Now, you sound quite interested. Well, is this not the sort of prequel to the TV series Sopranos? Or it I got is. that completely wrong. Have uh, you ever seen The Sopranos? I have seen all of The Sopranos except for the last series of the second half. The Sopranos was so incredibly good that when I realised we were never going to get any more, I slowed down watching them and then sort of just got out of the habit. So I've still not seen the very last few, but it was one of the most amazing 
uh, television series ever. David Chase, I believe, was the the uh, the writer and showrunner. Well, you should be reviewing this film then, not me. <laughs> well, but the film should stand on its own two feet, James. Well, you shouldn't have to have seen the TV series in order to be able to understand it. Well, I am at something of a disadvantage because, A, I have never seen a single episode of The Sopranos mm. from which it obviously evolves. And, B, I only watched The Godfather three weeks ago again. Oh, I was right. blown away by it <laughs> again. Yes, it's very different. In fact, it, it, it would be a very interesting contrast because the whole thing about The Sopranos was just how mundane the everyday lives of these um, gangsters was. Right. I mean, I hadn't seen The Godfather for 49 years. Yes. And it still hold me in its grip. It is a masterpiece and it has not faded in time at all. So do we need another rambling portrait of growing up on the mean streets of New York or indeed Newark mm. when being a good fella isn't necessarily a good thing or being a wise guy mm. may mm. turn out to be a stupid career move? Be that as it may, The Many Saints of Newark is a big screen prequel to HBO's award-laden gangster series starring the late James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano. Here we have Gandolfini's own son, Michael, playing Tony as a teenager, with William, William Ludwig playing him preteen. And no doubt the fans of the series are going to lap this all up. It's not half bad. But its large canvas template, killings and numerous characters, seems so old hat now that anybody not familiar with the original will wonder what all the fuss mm. is about. But there is good news, and that is the presence of Alessandro Nivola and Ray Liotta. In fact, Ray, Ray Liotta gets wow. to play two characters, Aldo Moltisanti and his incarcerated brother, Sal Moltisanti. And he wouldn't want to mess with either of them, which only brings to mind, of course, his performance as the real life mobster Henry Hill in Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, uh, a comparison that doesn't do the many saints of Newark any favours. We've been here before, and once again, we have a lot of shouting, family betrayal and a whole lot of killings. Mm. It's the 1960s and it's narrated from the grave literally as the film opens with a shot of his tombstone by Dickie Moltisanti, which translated into English is Many Saints, hence the title. Dickie is worshipped by the young Tony Soprano, and this is Dickie's story, the tale of a gangster who, in spite of his murderous ways, is a sympathetic figure, thanks in large part, I think, to the presence of Alessandro Nivola. Nivola made a notable film debut, 24 years ago in John Woo's Face Off as Nicolas Cage's younger brother, which I still remember his performance. But he's never really broken into the big time. At one point, he was typecast as Dashing Englishman, which was rather bizarre as the actor's wife, Emily Mortimer, was simultaneously playing a lot of Americans. Even more bizarre is that Navola took out British citizenship whereas Emily Mortimer took out American citizenship, which is about as romantic as you can get. <laughs> and I remember him telling me that uh, they would come to England to, to shoot a film that he was playing an Englishman, and then they'd go back to America, where she was playing an Amer American, which is so bizarre. Anyway, here he is center stage, and his mobster is a complex figure, a, a moral, romantic childlike, charismatic, proud, 
an impulsive figure who really does hold the film together. The Many Saints of Newark is never less than watchable and is often quite shocking and is handsomely assembled by the American director Alan Taylor, who won an Emmy for directing the Kennedy and Heidi segment of The Sopranos in 2007, which I'm sure you saw. Taylor has also directed, wait for this, Lost, The West Wing, Six Feet Under, Sex and the City, Game of Thrones, Boardwalk Empire, Deadwood, and Mad Men. So he has a massive amount of primetime experience under his belt. He also directed Thor, The Dark World, which I didn't see, and Terminator Genesis, which I didn't think much of. So he's no stranger to shaping other people's work. No. And he, the, he did direct The Sopranos as well, or many episodes, I think. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's, what, he's no, what's known in the business as a journeyman filmmaker, competent, but he is no Martin Scorsese. Mm. Uh, interestingly, uh, it sounds as though the film is slightly more conventional than perhaps the TV series was. I, I, I would recommend it to you if you ever found found time. Mainly because, <laughs> mainly because the Tony Soprano character. What was interesting was that he he was having psychiatric problems. He went to see a shrink played by Lorraine Bracco, who because ah. of the things that he was telling her, she then had to go and see a shrink played by Peter Bogdanovich. So it was absolutely fascinating. Mm. It was, it, you know, there there were deeply unpleasant things in it and, and killings and everything, but that wasn't the main point of the series at all. I think really it's for Sopranos fans yeah, and right. it doesn't really belong on the big screen. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's some considerable time um, since indeed it, it came out. Mm. Um, James, maybe this is a good moment for us to take a, a break. We'll be back uh, when we will keep going down the chart. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson. We've just been talking about the many saints of Newark. Uh, so, James, what's uh, number Well, we're going to zip down the list because there's a couple of films yeah. I would like to talk about. Uh, three, we have Free Guy, which was at number two, down 19%, with a total of £16.1 million. At four, we have a documentary concert one-off, Oasis Nebworth, 1996, which made 345,000 quid. Number five, respect down two places, 34%, with 1.7 million in the bank. Number six, Candyman, down 28%. Seven, <laughs> extraordinary, Paw Patrol the movie is doing so well, only down 19%, with a total of 7.8 million pounds. We have a new film at number eight, The Green Knight, only showing at 73 cinemas. So it only made £166,000. But this had a lot of buzz. It mm. came nowhere near me. It's a medieval fantasy starring Dev Patel as uh, Sir Gawain with Alicia Vikander as Estelle and Rafe Innocent or Ralph 
Ennison as the Green Knight. Ralph Ennison is very busy at the moment, currently to be seen in Everybody's Talking About Jamie at Selected Cinemas, and as the heavy in Gunpowder Milkshake on Sky Cinema, more of which anon. And at number nine, we have The Croods, A New Age, was at number eight. Uh, it was up 11% last week and only down 2% this weekend. And at number 10, we have Malignant, which was at number six, down 44%. A horror film so bad, it's almost fun. And we've been talking about Saints. And I happened to show Danny Boyle's Millions on my film night this week. And it features everybody from St. Francis of Assisi to St. Nicholas via St. Peter, the latter played by Alan Armstrong. Watching it again today, a film that is as stylish and relevant as when I first saw it, Millions is, if anything, more poignant. And I'll tell you why. It's set in an imaginary future when the UK joins the EU monetary system and ditches the pound in favour of the euro. The saints come marching in when our nine-year-old protagonist Damien, miraculously rendered by the angelic Alex Attell, populates his days with meetings with imaginary saints to replace the gaping chasm left by the recent death of his mother. In fact, the film touches on many relevant issues you don't usually find in most children's films, such as faith, bereavement, moving home, new schools, trust, altruism, crime, sex, and the new build that Damien and his older brother Anthony find themselves occupying in a magical, pristine housing estate. And yet it's all wrapped up in a thrilling story in which Damien comes by a holdall containing 229,000 pounds, 320 quid in used notes, a sum he wants to distribute to the needy he sees all around him. It's not only a hugely original and creative film for all the family, but an enormously stylish, exciting, and ultimately very moving one about broken homes and growing up the hard way. So much is packed into its lean 94-minute running time that there's not a wasted second of film. Millions has always had a special place in my heart, and in spite of its small-scale setting, it is a supremely cinematic experience. It's also a favourite of Danny Boyle's, and he was thrilled when I told him it was one of mine too, as we agreed that it was a crowd-pleaser that, for whatever reason, failed to find its audience. Mm. But it's still out there on Amazon and on all good home entertainment shopping shelves. So it's been quite a saintly week Mm. for me. I remember not enjoying it, and I'm not <gasps> sure why, so perhaps I ought to watch it again. But I remember being very oh, underwhelmed. A, really? a script by Frank Cottrell Boyce, who normally I would find. Yes, it. yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, perhaps I should try it again, James. Um, I mean, we've spoken before, but how odd it is that so, you know, sometimes deserving films don't get the audience they deserve at the time, um, and sometimes we get a chance to watch them again and revise our opinions. Mm. No, it holds up really well. And as I say, it's particularly poignant consider- mm. post-Brexit. But I'd like to talk about a film called Gunpowder Milkshake. Last week, you may remember that I reviewed Kate, a new Netflix release about a female mm. assassin who ends up being partnered with the young daughter of a man she has just killed. Now, Gunpowder Milkshake, available on Sky Cinema, 
Now and Virgin TV. We have the story of a female assassin who ends up being partnered with the young daughter of a man she has just killed. Right. Female assassins are all the rage. And here we don't just have Karen Gillan's Sam, who takes down a small Russian army single-handed, but also her mother, played by Lena Hedy, as well as Angela Bassett, Michelle Yeoh, and Carla Gugino. There's also the best car chase of the year, which Karen Gillan, whose arms have been paralyzed, has her young consort, Emily, who is eight and three quarters, sit on her lap at the helm of a car with her eyes closed while Gillan works the pedals with her feet. One mustn't take anything too seriously in this comic strip like Mm. Romp, which pays its respects largely to Sergio Leone, obviously, while its director, Navit Papushado, should soon find himself in the same ranks as James Gunn and Edgar Wright, which is not saying, which is saying a hell of a lot. It is, I suppose, style over substance, but it doesn't let up for a moment and rattles along effortlessly for almost two hours. Although filmed in Berlin, it could be set anywhere, with two of its central locations being an American diner and a library. I was particularly struck by the library, a beautifully appointed, ornate um, Mm. place full of towering bookshelves, much of the weaponry used by Karen Gillan in the film, is stored in the larger books on the shelves. But what struck me was the shelves themselves. I know it's only a small thing, but in these sorts of films, whenever there is a showdown in a library, and there are surprisingly many of them, the shelves come a toppling. Here, in spite of all the mayhem, all the shooting and hand-to-hand combat, the bookshelves remained in place which says to me that this was a real, well-made German library and not a set. But still, Gunpowder Milkshake never goes for the obvious gag. I would also like to mention Cameron Gillan, who, although born in Inverness, has a faultless American accent, keeps a straight face throughout and strides around Berlin, towering over everybody else. The Scottish actress is actually 5'11", But I was never aware how tall she was, because the last time I saw her was in Jumanji, the next level, and she was appearing opposite Dwayne Johnson, and she didn't seem very tall in that. Likewise, in the Avengers films, in which she plays Nebula, she doesn't seem exactly, she doesn't tower over Chris Pratt or Dave Mm. Bautista. But here she is the tallest member of the cast, at least the credited stars, and she strides across Berlin with considerable flair. I would also like to mention the soundtrack, in particular, Frank Ilfman's stylish, propulsive score, which is almost another character in itself, while the playlist is a beautifully curated selection running the gamut from Bobby Darren and Matt Monroe to Stereo Lab. It's all enormous fun, and I think we can expect great things from its director, Navit Papushado. At least I think that's how you pronounce his name. It was an an, an unexpected delight, and we've seen a lot of female assassins. There was another unexpected delight I wasn't really anticipating. No Time to Die, Simon, opened at one minute past midnight. Mm. And I've seen it. Oh, well, how come we didn't talk about it at the beginning? Well, because it's going to be in the chart, obviously, next week. What, you think it might might actually do quite well? I think it might do quite well. Uh, 
And I think it was a coup to get the director of Jane Eyre to make No Time to Die, Carrie yeah. Joji Fukunaga, who was the first American to direct an official Bond film out of the 25. And after the relative disappointment of Tenet and Fast and Furious 9, No Time to Die reminds us what cinema is all about. I was sitting there, and when the Billie Eilish title theme song came on, I was singing along to it because it was a hit back in April 2020, last year. And it's been on my playlist ever since. And I've never actually seen a Bond film where I'm so familiar with the theme tune. <laughs> yes, I guess so. And it is just pregnant with revelations and corkscrew turns. It does end with the legend James Bond will return. And I was thinking, I was ta- talking to the manageress before I went in, who would be the next Bond? And I thought Henry Golding would be brilliant. I'm just putting it out there. And then I realised that lots of people think he's going to be a brilliant Bond. Although certain revelations at the end of the film might suggest a different Bond, but that is all I'm going to say for the time being. It is the longest 007 in history. It's two hours and three quarters. But I was gripped from the very low-key opening to the very end. I, I think it's a masterpiece. I cannot, every second may, made its impact. Phoebe Waller-Bridge's dialogue, the fact that both villains were played by Oscar-winning actors. It is a, a, an amazing piece of work. From That's the, the sun, longest Bond ever. Yeah, two hours, three quarters. Gosh, and the first one to be directed by an American. But it, it, there's so much in it. It doesn't waste a second. And I know it's getting rave reviews. And I sat there thinking, is it really going to be this good? Well, yeah. And it's going to so be very In retrospect, difficult. I know there's something else you want to talk about. So a very quick question and answer. But in retrospect, did they do the right thing in delaying? I'm amazed that considering the revelations in the film, that they've managed to keep it so quiet and so secret. Because a lot of it is based on surprise. And I, I think... One of the great, well, so much, so much is great about the film, but one of the great things about it is the actual secret weapon in the film, which is a virus, and it's only a pandemic can stop, <laughs> stop Bond God. in his tracks. Oh, how bizarre, how bizarre. Wait, there was something else you wanted to chat about, and we're running out of time, obviously. So. Oh, well, mainly uh, the new Bond film. Oh, no that time. is what you want to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry, I was, I was, I, you hadn't told me what it was at the beginning, so I was thinking we we um, we had to rush to get something else in. Um, no, no, so I just wanted th- to. I'm intrigued of... then, it, seeing a film at, at midnight. Were you was it a packed auditorium? Or yeah, not? yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I know they were having trouble with um, one of the guests who they discovered had a secret camera. <sighs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. I have to say that. The, the the days of going into pubs and being offered you know hooky copies of uh, pirated videos and uh, movies seem to me I don't maybe they aren't over but I don't I don't see them much anymore. It seems to me that it's so much easier to see movies now that it might not be worth. Everybody knows the quality is absolutely appalling. It's just not worth saving the money. No, no. Um, I will say that it is. But, I knew it was two hours and three quarters going in. So I had an extra strong coffee with a double shot. <laughs> right. I knew it was late, but I just wanted to sort of leak what I thought on this show. Well, we will see. Afternoon. So are you going to make any predictions for the box office? For 
I, next well, week's weekend? Judging by, I think it's going to be number one, Simon. Okay, I was wondering whether you'd hazard a number. Clearly, it's going to be one of the biggest openings in UK cinema history, from what the judging by the booking, it's actually booking. Um, it's making more money uh, than anything pre-pandemic. Hmm. Yeah, so who knows? It may make so much money that Daniel Craig can actually afford to buy a proper black dinner jacket. Ah, and everybody gross. in it is so good. Uh, I, I was trying to think, would I? Could, could I change anything in it? Um, I, you see, it could be shorter, but I don't think it could. Because anything you take out, it is such a meticulously calibrated I, I've heard it's work. quite it's amusing. I did find the earlier Daniel Craig films were a little bit po-faced at times, but that presumably is down to Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So let's hope... Yeah, there are some nice gags in there. Yeah, uh, good. Excellent. Well, James, thank you very Ray much. Ray Fiennes drinking. Thank you very much. We we shall dissect it properly when we see yeah, the yeah, I'll give it a chart review next week. Next yeah. week. But thank you very much indeed to James Cameron Wilson. Um, we will find out more about No Time to Die at this time next week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Is it safe? We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Nobody puts baby in a corner.